Okay, I think we have audio now. Yeah, good. Sorry. Um, I asked for that, that last song to be played, and uh, uh, that always, it always hits me, uh, that one. Um, it's good for me to be with you again today. Uh, this is going to be a tough message to deliver. It might be hard to hear. Um, so uh, how about we, we go to God and see if he'll... Uh, be with us in a powerful way and superintend. How about that? Let's pray together. Um, our great God, we come to you, and it's all about you. Uh, Lord, I pray that your word will speak powerfully today, and, uh, and that you will be glorified in our midst. Uh, Lord, I pray that we leave here today a little bit more like Jesus than we came. And... Uh, we pray it all in his name. Amen. Uh, oh, sorry. I already had the first one up there for me. I, I call this uh, truth and tragedy. Uh, you, you won't understand much of this if you don't understand the backstory. Uh, a lot of you probably know, but maybe some of you don't, that in May of this, this year, uh, we lost our oldest son, John, in a motorcycle accident. Um, sorry. He was driving through his neighborhood, and he was struck by a car uh, traveling 43 miles an hour. Uh, he, he was careful. He had all the motorcycle gear, the jacket with the plates in it, and the full, full helmet. It wasn't enough. Um, the speed limits were 25 miles an hour in the neighborhood. It was an uncontrolled intersection in Spokane, which means it's a four-way yield. So you're supposed to be going 25 and then slowing down from there. And the irony is if he was going as fast as she was, he probably would have gotten cross in front of her, but it didn't work that way. So. Uh, this is some things that, got, that I've been learning, or maybe relearning in a deeper way through all this, and I wanted to share it with you um, because God's been laying a lot of stuff on my heart. It's going to be a lot. Sorry. Uh, grab a couple of nuggets. Maybe a few things will resonate with you. Uh, I don't expect you to just absorb it all at once, but um, uh, whatever God is speaking to you, I, I hope uh, he gives you something today. Uh, and I thank you, really. All of you have been praying for us. Uh, it makes a huge difference. Please keep going. Um, we're doing much better now than I expected at this point, so uh, keep it up. Thanks. Um, one of the first truths that I want to get across is that life is paradoxical. Okay, uh, I actually taught an entire semester on this uh, subject in a Sunday school class several years back. And maybe I'll blow the dust off of that someday and bring it back as a, as a sermon series or something. But, uh, man, so much of our life is a big paradox. Um, and this experience is no different. One of John's friends and uh, a, a classmate of his from Moody out in Spokane, uh, he, he put it this way. He, he talked about the complex, in the letter to us after the fact, he talked to us about the complex harmony of joyful sorrow and sorrowful rejoicing that we as Christians experience. 
And I thought about that. That, that was really kind of true. We're, we're very glad for John that he's experiencing the abundant life better than ever, right? He's way better off. He, he, he used to talk about his high mileage chassis, right? So even through his 35 years, had been through some things, and, and uh, you know, the, the, the body was already getting, getting old. Not anymore. He's got no pain. Um, but, but we're still sad that he's gone from us, from this life, right? Uh, Jason called it a breathtaking duality. It really is. We heard so many stories, and these stories were at the same time heartwarming and heartrending. Uh, I, I, I could go on for a long time with some of these stories, but we, I would definitely not make it through it if we started in on that. Um, um, but then it, it dawned on me in all of this that like, this is sort of God's existence all the time. Think about it. Every day, there's a party in heaven because people are being saved. They're coming to the Savior, and, and their eternal destinies are changed. Big party in heaven, the scripture tells us. And, and every day, there are countless people dying without Christ, alienated from God forever. And the perfectly loving God, it breaks his heart. And he's dealing with this every day, all the time. Um, okay, so we have this, this situation where we're grieving, but we're not without hope, right? Like Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, like John, that you may not grieve as those who do not have hope. And why do we have hope? I've told you this before from the very stage, this First Peter 1, this is a great section of Scripture, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for his salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We have this resurrection hope in the midst of whatever it is that's going on in this life, right? Maybe the strangest paradox in all of life is that God seems to do his best work through evil and suffering. I, I, he, he, like, he turns it on its head and redeems it and makes a greater good out of it than was even otherwise possible. I had told you this, the quote from... Uh, Pastor James Stewart before, he said, God did not conquer in spite of the dark mystery of evil. He conquered through it. That was never more apparent than at the cross, right? This, this terrible travesty, this gross miscarriage of justice, the cruel Roman cross was the pinnacle of God's salvation plan. Think about that for a while. I desperately need this redeeming God to redeem the loss of my son. God, do your work. Whatever, whatever he has planned, it's got to be really big. I'm looking for something really big. But I don't know what big looks like exactly. It could be just one life. If there's one hard heart somewhere that through this is softened and they come to Christ, 
What's the value of an eternal soul? If even one person can be saved through the loss of John, what am I going to say? That's worth it. That's worth a little bit of, a little few years of pain for an eternal, eternal weight of glory for somebody. We'll take that if that's what it is, right? Another point, they'll know we're Christians by our love. Um, and Jesus, Jesus said it to us, John 13, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. People, I can tell you that God showed up for us in a big way through his people. Uh, the, 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 the people at Faith Bible Church, which was John's church out in Spokane, we didn't even know most of these people at all. A couple of them a little bit, right? These people went way above and beyond. They went the extra mile or three, okay? We, we had multiple offers of places to stay for as long as we needed to be there, which was almost a month. Uh, we had not one but two cars given to us for as long as we needed them. Uh, his small group organized a yard sale of all uh, John's stuff, and John had a lot of stuff. I mean, he had a lot of skills, and he had all the gear to do it right. He had scuba gear. He had climbing gear. He had camping gear. He had welding gear, an arc welder and an oxyacetylene torch. He even had a motorized hang glider, for crying out loud, people. And, and, and all of and these folks just took it on. They, they figured it out. They priced all the stuff. They just managed all of that for us. They, they helped us with so many things. It was, uh, it was overwhelming. The, the memorial service, um, they carried all of that. They were, as my brother Jim would have said, Jesus with skin on to us, right? But you too, right? The Grace Church people, uh, you were here for us as well in a powerful way. Dennis, right away, simple text, whatever you need. And we had a lot of similar offers. Uh, Michelle Averick, just without solicitation, came, hey, Jack, if you need uh, help with the music, I got it. Whatever, just tell me what you want, and I'll make it happen. Uh, uh, I, there were the reception that you put on for us. I, there were several of my friends from work came up to, to the service here, and uh, one of them actually said, gee, the subs really know how to throw a party. And I, and I got to tell them this, the SUPS had not to do with it, all right? This was Carol Rogers and the hostess group and a lot of other people that came together to make this happen. And, and Chriselle and the others putting together the order of service and the, the video thing, there were so many people. I'm, I'm forgetting to mention some, of course. But in any case, bravo to you too, uh, Grace Church. We thank you uh, for, for being Jesus to us in that time. So here's, here's the application for you, though, uh, in this keep loving people. It, Jesus said in his Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, go read it later, it's great stuff. But he said, in the last days, people's love will grow cold um, it, because it's a nasty world out there. And that tends to make people callous. Don't stop loving people, okay, because that's going to be the compelling testimony. That's going to be what grips people's hearts and lives and brings them to Jesus, all right? Keep loving. Um, so 
Trials test our faith. That's another important point. We need to understand that. The scripture tells us that. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But I wanted to tell you, uh, I'm going to be perfectly honest, um, and you might find it maybe comforting or maybe disconcerting to know that, that I struggle with doubt sometimes. Now, not that I doubt God, uh, honestly. Um, uh, the heavens declare his glory, Psalm 19.1. The, the very, the, all of the created order screams out for a creator, transcendent creator God. Uh, and not that I really doubt the Savior either. Uh, the empty tomb is a stark declaration of, of Jesus' victory over sin, death, and the devil, 1 Corinthians 15.57. I don't doubt those things, but... See, I'm all too aware of the as yet unsanctified parts of my heart. Uh, Jeremiah 17.9 talks about the uh, deceptive sickness, the desperate wickedness of our hearts. And so I've, I've wondered at times, you know, am I for real or am I just doing such a good job at pretending that I'm fooling even myself? But, but I have this. Uh, exhibit A for the evidence that my faith maybe is really genuine. I don't hate the driver who killed my son. I, I can't explain that, honestly. If you knew the natural Jack, and, and my family can tell you even the Christian Jack in his unguarded moments, has plenty of anger. Uh, I, I should really hate her. Uh, I should really, I'd naturally be just saying she should go to hell. Um, and I really thought I would struggle a little bit with that. And not from the beginning, not once, not at all, have I struggled with that. I, I can't explain that except that the Spirit of God is working. He, he, he's, I am not the man I was. He has changed me. Um, and, and he reminds me, he says, like, you might think that she should go to hell, which is probably true, but then, Jack, so should you, right? Yeah. Right? And, 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 by the way, she was being gross, grossly irresponsible, right? But, Jack, remember, there's been times in your life where you've been irresponsible, too. Uh, the difference is you, you, you just didn't kill anybody yet when, in your irresponsibility. So, but for my grace, that could be you. So, I, I actually, I feel sorry for her, really, amazingly enough. Um, and so, so this is the way Peter put it, following up, in this you rejoice, this what, the, the uh, resurrection hope that we were talking about earlier, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, which, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found the result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So... God is, is making something praiseworthy and glorious and honorable uh, through these trials. <clears throat> it's, it's still difficult to hear no from God, though. Um, and we know that God is a prayer-answering, miracle-working God. We have evidence of this in our brother Simon Mature, actually, experienced this. He should be dead right now. Medically speaking, he should be dead. He had a major cardiac event. He was gone for several minutes, and yet here he is, fully restored as far as we can tell. Everything is, is great, and I am, we, can, we can rejoice in that. I, 
I look forward to what God is doing in Brother Simon. Obviously, he has something still planned for him, right? Because he sent him back. Still, still got a mission. I'm looking forward to what, what God does in his life. Uh, but people, we didn't, we didn't get that miracle. Um, and, and I was really frustrated with God. I was like, God, how can you not act here? James tells us, 516, look it up, the prayer of a righteous person has great power. And we have literally thousands of people, thousands of your people praying for my son. Crickets, no change, nothing. I don't like this plan, God. You think this is, a, this is your idea of a good plan? Really? I think it stinks. But then I was reminded of Jesus in Gethsemane uh, the night before his crucifixion, right? The righteous one is looking for a plan B. And compared to him, all of our righteousness, all of us put together, is just a pile of filthy rags, Isaiah 64, 6. So he went to Gethsemane, as was his habit, and he began to be greatly distressed and troubled. Going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he he prayed the most fervent prayer ever. Again, the parallel passage in Luke 22. Um, he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. Uh, that's actually a medical condition under extreme duress. Uh, I understand the capillaries can break and you can actually sweat drops of blood. But I can tell you that in my most fervent time of prayer for my son, I was not sweating blood. And I, I guess probably none of you were either. Jesus was, though. So, we have the Holy One, the most righteous one, praying the most fervent prayer of all time, and you got to know from the Father. So, if he gets a no, sometimes maybe we get a no. So, the application for you is, Approach the throne of grace confidently, as Hebrews 4.16 tells us. But don't be shocked if sometimes you get a no. Okay, we also have to reckon with the fact that God is really intense. Even severe, maybe, right? We don't appreciate, we don't appreciate this aspect of our God sometimes. Uh, read the parable. We're not going to go there, but look it up. Homework for the student. Luke 19, starting in verse 11. There's a parable that Jesus gives, and the 
God character in the parable is addressed as being severe. And in fact, that character turns around and doesn't deny it. He says, so I'm severe, am I? And, and actually goes on to kind of demonstrate it through the rest of the parable. Uh, anyway, I suggest to you that, that, that God allows depravity to run further than we would dare, than we would think prudent. The sovereign God has allowed some truly unspeakably awful things to happen in this world. And I'm sure it's sitting there right now. You can think of numerous examples. It's not hard. I can take you back to the very first family, Adam and Eve. What's their story? They had one of their sons rise up and kill the other. They lost the kid, too, at the hands of his brother. I've read that story I don't know how many times. Never really thought about the depth of their pain. Imagine them, too, knowing that it was their disobedience that even brought the sin into the picture that resulted in the death of their son. Can't imagine. I can't imagine them living with that. Okay, so we have to come to grips with this aspect of God, though, so that when the awful things come crashing into your life, it doesn't shatter your faith. You've got to reckon with that, people. And here's, here's the other thing. We just don't understand now. You're, uh, do you remember the episode in the upper room? Uh, again, the Last Supper, where Jesus went around washing the disciples' feet? And you remember Peter. Peter, he's always the audacious one. He said, Lord, what are you doing? No way. I'm not going to wash my feet. And what did Jesus say to him? You don't understand what I'm doing now. Later you'll understand. And remember how I told you in a previous sermon, it's like we see everything through a straw. And here's the, here's the deal. Here's how Paul put it. The foolishness of God is wiser than men. The weakness of God is stronger than men. And Isaiah, similar theme, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As high as the heavens, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So we shouldn't be surprised that we don't get it. Um, some applications here. Since we don't understand, we have to trust his plan, even through the difficulty, even when we don't get it. Um, my, uh, my brother Jim, I borrowed this from his, one of his sermons before. Also, when, there's three ways we can uh, respond when we're faced with difficulty. One of them is to become bitter and kind of turn your back, drift away from God. Um, this was the recommendation of Job's wife to him, if you remember, why do you hold on to your integrity, Job? Curse God and die. That's what she told him. I can't think of a more self-defeating strategy, though. Right? Where's the gain in that? Uh, others would just maybe, uh, as he called it, become mediocre, kind of kick it into neutral. Um, and basically, now you're existing more than really living. You're just converting oxygen to carbon dioxide, and, and how, what kind of life is that? Or you can stay faithful and kind of lean into God. I'm going to recommend that last option to you because, you know, I, I, I look at my situation. 
I can't recover my loss. There's nothing I can do about that to get John back. None of you can fix my problem either in that regard. Where am I going to go? So I end up kind of like Peter in John chapter 6. And after this, the this being some pretty heavy, difficult teaching that Jesus laid on the disciples, after that, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve then, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So that's where I kind of ended up, right? Where am I going to go? To whom am I, I going to go? Only God is able to deal with any of this and make it make any sense at all at any point. Um, lamentations. I spent some time in Lamentations, right? The background of Lamentations, so you know, is when Jerusalem was laid siege by the Babylonians. A truly awful, horrific experience. Um, but this is written with that backdrop. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. And a little bit later, though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. Okay, so all of this, uh, trusting the plan, works better if you can also focus on the unseen because that's what's eternal after all. Um, Paul said it this way in his letter, second letter to the Corinthians, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Uh, we got we to get that spiritual, eternal perspective on things, and uh, that will help a lot. Um, another principle, God provided strength when needed. Uh, there have been times through this uh, ordeal that there was no, I, I had no strength at all to do hardly anything. I mean, getting out of bed was monumental. Uh, eating, I, eating, I, it's like the, the fork, it was like it weighed 50 pounds, just getting, getting it to my, my lips. And yet, and yet, when necessary, strength was there um, I can't I can't explain otherwise how we got through the fateful day when we had the care conference with his the team of physicians that was caring for my son and it was quite clear that he was not coming back to us and we had to make the decision to, to pull the supportive care and and switch to palliative care Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how, if, I don't know how we got through that day. But except for the fact that God is our refuge and strength, a present help in trouble. So he doesn't just take away the weakness, but he provides strength when it's needed, as it's needed. Um, kind of last point, and <clears throat> going to, dwell on this a little bit because this may be one of the most important in terms of ap application for you. Life is uncertain. Um, 
Ben Franklin said, in this world, nothing is certain except death and taxes, right? Um, actually, I'll give God a little bit more credit than that. He does guarantee his abiding presence and a pathway to eternal life for those who will trust in Christ. Um, but in terms of this physical life, it's extremely uncertain. Your next breath is a gift. Your next heartbeat, ask Simon. Your next heartbeat is a gift. Frankly, my brothers and sisters, there's no guarantee that you make it out of your seat today, let alone home safely. Uh, I, I love the way James, the way he has with words. Uh, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Uh, I, for the last several years, I, I, I've been uh, want to put, to tack on the little phrase, Lord willing, on all my statements of intention, whether in an email or a text or just in conversation. Yeah, let, let's do that. I'll see you tomorrow. Lord willing. Well, that was sort of a, largely an academic exercise in, in uh, truth for me, but not anymore. It's, it's gut-wrenchingly existential to me now. Because John had no idea that when he set out from his house uh, that evening that a block away, it was going to be done. That was it. And, and, and you, you need to understand that physical safety is an illusion. Perfect physical safety, that's an illusion. Um, interesting interchange between Jesus and his disciples in Luke 13, talking about apparently there was a tower, this tower of Siloam, that fell and killed uh, a bunch of people. And, and it's like you can see that the disciples were wrestling with, well, were they sort of really bad sinners that God caused this special act of judgment on them? And, and Jesus just kind of dismisses that whole line of thinking. He said, that has nothing to do with it. The point is, you need to repent because you're, you're likewise going to perish otherwise. You never know. It just happened. Things happen sometimes. Not, not too long ago, uh, there were nearly 100 people that went to bed in their condo like every other night, sleeping safe and sound, so they thought. And that night at 1 o'clock in the morning or whatever, that condo building collapsed without warning for no obvious reason. It just collapsed. Just recently here, Charlotte Hall, uh, two Fridays ago, um, sitting in Happy Hill having coffee with Bruno and... And there's a horrific wreck at the intersection of Golden Beach Road and Route 5. Uh, a couple of people pulling out of Golden Beach Road. For all I know, they've done it a hundred times. But today, when they're pulling out from Golden Beach Road, some maniac runs the red light going at enormous speed, slams into the side of them, their car goes tumbling in a ball of fire, and they're gone. I don't know if they ever knew what hit them. 
So life is uncertain. So what do we do about that? So I have a few uh, applications for you. The first one being, if you're sitting here today and you have not done business with God, today is the day of salvation for you. You are, you're hanging out, seriously, all right? You need to repent of your sin, come to Jesus Christ as your Savior, and deal with this. Right now in your seat, just between you and God, in your heart, and if you don't understand exactly what I'm talking about, fine, come to me afterward and we'll go through it. Because I don't want you to leave here today without getting this sorted out. Talk to Pastor Bruno, Dennis, talk to the person next to you in the, in the chair somewhere. Don't leave here without understanding what you need to do about this. Okay, but for those of you who are already walking with Jesus, here's a couple of other thoughts. Oh, I'm sorry, today is the day of salvation. He, uh, Paul put it very bluntly in 2 Corinthians, uh, that above all else, if you, know, if you take nothing else away, you need to, to, to wrestle with that today. Um, additional, uh, for, for those of you who are walking uh, with Jesus, exercise grace toward the faults of your loved ones. And I, and I talked, I spent a whole sermon on, on the idea of grace. It's not just the name, it's not the title on the building, it's the way we should be living but even more so is, is that drilled into my mind. We don't have time to quibble over all of these faults, uh, these little annoyances. Um, be reconciled, um, and, and, and you, don't, you, don't want, you don't want to have the last words with your loved one be something where it's a, a critical or or where there's tension there let me just tell you how paul told it to the ephesians and maybe that'll help you understand what i'm trying to say he says therefore i therefore a prisoner of the lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you with which you have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience Bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Uh, life is too short to have a lot of alienation uh, between us based on these little annoyances and personality flaws. I mean, realistically, we are all works in progress, right? Paul wrote this to the Philippians, I'm sure of this, that he who began a work, good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. He, he, we're still works in progress, people. None of us is fully conformed to that image of Christ, so give each other a break, all right? And, and it's, it works much better when we're loving each other that way. Um, give, give, the, give each other the respect. We just went through a whole series about the Imago Dei, right? The image of God. We are all bearers of the image of God. Give your, your fellow human beings the respect that's due them because of that. And, 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 and exercise forbearance. O overlook some of those faults. Um, okay. Uh, last thought of application is redeem the time. Um, it, it says uh, in Ephesians... See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. 
And the days are evil. Look around. Um, I, I sprung the King James on you because I like the rendering here. Most of the modern translations will, will talk about making the most of, of the time, which is true. I mean, that's a part of it. I think, I think that's not wrong, but I think redeeming the time is a more powerful way to put it. And, and that's actually the term that's used there. I looked it up. It's ex agorazo. That's the Greek word for redemption. Ex meaning out of, agora, the marketplace. It talks about, it's the same term that is used for our redemption, our salvation, where God bought us out of the marketplace of slavery to sin. And it's with that same power and emphasis, I think, that Paul is writing to the Ephesians, saying, be that way about your time. It's so precious. You have so little of it. Uh, those of you who were around when, when Bill Walker was here may remember the sermon he gave where he talked about your whole life. If you live to be 100, is but a blip in the timeline of eternity. It's very precious little time do you actually have. So spare no expense to redeem it. Use it wisely, true, but be powerfully minded about that. Um, I think... Uh, the way this, the psalmist puts it in Psalm 90, and we're going we're gonna to sing from this psalm here in just a, a minute. Um, it says, teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. We can't literally count our days. We don't know how many we have. God only knows that. But I can tell you this, it's limited. It's a finite number. So what, he's, what they're telling us is, is take stock of the fact that you only have so many. And whether it's another day from here on, or if it's another 10,000 for some of you, I don't know what it's going to be. But use our time wisely. And we tend to be way too concerned about way too many things that just don't matter. And all the while neglecting the things that really do, like helping people and building relationships. Like Bruno was talking in, in the Imago Dei, all, all, it's all about building those relationships, people. Um, being in the Word of God, studying that, sharing it with others. Um, in all these ways, based on the stories we've heard from John, he was, he was doing this stuff. He was always showing up and engaging with people, finding ways to help them out, uh, sharing wisdom and perspective from God's word and I it seems he packed more into his almost 35 years than a lot of us do in 70 so um, be careful to, to number your days and uh, use your time wisely uh, one, one closing thought um, from John 16 rapidly becoming one of my favorite all time verses Jesus said this, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Let's pray. Our great God, once again we come to you. We give you glory because you are worthy. You are adequate. You are great. Show yourself great in our midst. 
Lord, go with us as we go from here today. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. As we prepare to, to sing this last song, I want to invite you, if you want to stand, stand. If you want to sit, you are free to do so.
I know you can hear me, but I'm trying to be legit here. <laughs> so you guys really can hear me, so I don't yell. <laughs> this has been a sobering moment this morning. None of us can even relate what Jack and Diane are going through. Not what they went through, what they're going through. It's very sobering. And sometimes for us, as I've mentioned to Jack and all of you have, Dennis even mentioned in our prayer prior, we're just speechless. We don't know what to say at times. And we know that God speaks loud and clear. So this morning, I wanted to invite Jack and Diane, and if even Tim wants to come with us as well, to come up here. And I want to invite you to come up as we pray for them up here as a body of Christ. Because when we can dwell together in unity, this is an awesome time. So I'm going to invite Jack. I'm going to invite Diane. If Tim feels led to do that as well, it would be a great thing. And invite each one of you. It's, I've asked Jack if that's okay, and he said yes. And I'm going to ask him just to come over here, and I want to invite each of you to come up. Yes, please, Marcella, would you come up? Somebody come up. Thank you, Pastor Dennis. Somebody come up to pray for our brother and our sister. Yeah, it's okay if you come up. It's not inappropriate to come up. This is the body of Christ. It's okay. Come on, that's it. They would really, really appreciate that right now. Look, Jack is, yeah, that's good. Come on, fellas and ladies and gentlemen. Let's do this as a, as a, as a body of Christ. Come on up. Love it, Wanda. Thank you. Come close to Jack. You would bless my heart if you did that. 
Come on, brother. Oh, this is beautiful, y'all. I love this. I'm going to start crying. Fathers, I even hold Wanda's hand right now. I'm so grateful that she's here today. And Jim, I, I know he's here too. It's so great to see our brothers and sisters from all generations. And God, thank you for allowing us this opportunity to hover over Jack and Diane and her family. What, a, what an act of love right now, just to be able to pour our hearts together in prayer, asking you, to continue to be with your brother and your sister, our brother and our sister and your son and your daughter, to pray your blessed hand on their lives for all the challenges that they continue to go through. The waking up in the morning, wondering, asking the questions, as Jack mentioned, Lord, why no? And struggling with each day, wondering why this person and why this happened. But Lord, thank you for the courage that they have each day to wake up the courage that Jack had today to speak, the courage that Diane has to come here. I was taken back that two weeks or so or three weeks after this tragedy, they showed up here to church. That blew my mind. I hadn't expected them to be here for at least four or five months. And they are displaying to us the love of Jesus Christ and their hope and their trust in you. God, what a display, what a testimony of their great love for you. I know they're dealing with a lot of pain. We all know that. But Lord, may you richly bless them, strengthen them through this journey. May we continue to be reminded, as even Dennis said at the beginning at the funeral, at the memorial service, that it's not today. It's six months down the road. So may we remind ourselves to put it on our hearts each time to just Call up Jack or Diane and let them know we love them and care for them. Thank you again for this morning. Thank you for this gathering. Thank you that brothers and sisters can come and dwell together in unity and harmony for the purpose of loving on our brothers and sisters, especially on the subfamily. May you be truly glorified. May you be lifted up in Grace Church. And as we always say, we're always better together. God, we love you. We thank you for your son. And we thank you for this moment. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God.